Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with I.D. Enang. Such an honor and pleasure to be here. And friends, I hope you all had a very wonderful Salah celebration. If you know you had as many pieces of meat as you could not necessarily remember, you better start working on a detox. And if you didn't get as much as you wanted, don't worry, there'll be a next time. And when the next time comes, you will schedule yourself well and position yourself to be able to take on the roughage that will come with the salamate, but it was a great time. I had a great time, and I must tell you, one of the best celebrations I've had in a long time. Thank you so much for listening and for tuning in as always. You know, we've been on this journey talking about how we can make ourselves better, especially those of us that are career changers or job hunters at this moment. With those of us that are switching jobs, I know that if you have not been on this particular uh, threshold with me, we've been talking about interviewing and the tips that you require, very practical tips. I got very interesting feedback from a lot of people about how they didn't know that certain things happen in the interview room and some tips they've taken. I hope you have also benefited from it. Today, I'm coming with another set of tips and hopefully, if time permits, Either I close today, if I don't, we'll continue till I'm able to share with you very practical experiences. Like I said, a lot of this is coming from loads of literature over the years that I've read about interviewing, but to be honest, a lot of it has to do more with experience. For close to two decades and a half, I was, I've been involved in interviews and interviewing people, hiring people, and also being placed in a way that I've had the rare privilege of mentoring a lot of executives. So apart from being one who has hired, I've also sat in the seat of one to be hired. And by extension, I've always sat in the seat of one who makes the final call. So I can tell you, most of these tips are coming from errors that I've found a lot of people make. Also, learnings I've also taken in my own personal journey. Put all of that together, and I am presenting to you practical tips for career changers and those that are in between jobs, or you may call them job hunters. So friends, today's tip number one, when it comes to interviewing, a lot of people make this big mistake of bad-mouthing their previous employers during interview. Take it from me. This is not a good attribute. Do not badmouth your previous employer or employers during the interview. Even if they were terrible bosses, what goes around? Employers sometimes feel as though they are a fraternity or sorority. Somehow in there, when you are speaking ill of a former employer, the one that is about to hire you is just like wondering, is this how this guy is going to talk about me? Is this how he's going to sing like a canary when he has the next opportunity? Whether I treat him well 
or I make some errors, which is natural? Would he go about talking about me, the business, the company this way? That comes. So you want to tell yourself a blatant truth that during the interview, you want to come across as someone who displays courtesy and has a deep sense of maturity towards all members of that hiring fraternity. Because the truth is that hiring is a fraternity. How is it a fraternity? When I run my own company, some other person runs their own company, some other companies exist. When you come tell me all the bad things about those other people, to a large extent, I'll just have some somber moments that I'll say, is this guy a good guy? Or he is actually the problem? And don't forget that a lot of employers are connected. Folks know themselves so well. You don't know where employer A and employer B hang out. And your name may just pop up for some reason. They may even have done a big check or a quick check on you, especially if you have a critical role. Bad-mouthing a previous employer only makes this employer who is interviewing you worry about who you would become and what you would say about them after they hired you. You know, the best thing you need to do is to keep quiet and just be mature about it. You don't need to start, you know, turning would-be employers into investigators. What you don't need is to say some very uncanny things. I know some bosses could really do stuff that will get you really mad. But it's just one boss, maybe two, maybe three. Could even be the culture of the organization. But here's a very safe place you can hang. And it's about talking about the values of the organization. You'll be very, very safe to talk about the culture and the values. That is totally undisputable. When someone would ask you, why don't you like the company you work for? And you tell them, the major reason we had issues was really around values. My values and theirs never got aligned. And so I had to leave. Someone will understand. And they may poke you for that to say, what kind of values are you talking about? You can talk about trust. You can use the word integrity. You can use transparency. But we rest assured they are going to ask you in what way. And transparency can take different forms and different shapes. Especially if in your role, you'll be required to be transparent. You'll be required to say some things. You'll also may be required to see a lot, but speak less. So it's really a call that you must be ready to make. And I want you to understand that when people speak highly of you, they speak highly of you because of the things you said or the things you've done. But when they speak very poorly of you, then it means you may have done something that may have caught someone on the wrong footing and that person never forgot and just kept it somewhere. So plan on saying something nice about any previous employer, no matter how difficult. There must be something good about that employer. Or if you're pretty sure that the fact you and they didn't get along will surely come out, then try to notify this ahead of time by saying something like, 
I usually get along with everybody, but for some reason, my personal employer and I just didn't get along. It's okay. You don't know why. It's never happened to you before. Hope it never happens again. But be rest assured, whoever is listening to you is going to probe. When they probe, you must have the right answers. Like I did say to you, a safety net is to talk about values, is to talk about culture, and by extension, you can have some tidbits that you can drop on the table. But those are not things that are personal. There are more things that people look at from an ethical standpoint. And then they begin to draw a parallel with you and say, if this guy is this ethically responsible, this is the kind of guy we need in our organization. And so that's tip number one for you. Don't badmouth your former boss or employer at all. Tip number two. Now, this tip is a very interesting one. Typically, you know that every new employer is going to ask you questions as a way of helping them to figure out whether or not they want to hire you. A lot of books on interviewing exist. Some are published. Some come with all kinds of semi-clever answers suggested. And some give you recommendations to memorize some of the answers to some questions. I know a lot of people try to do that. But let me warn you up front. If you go and cram a question and they ask you a different one, you are on your own. For example, if they say to you, what color of shirt are you wearing? And possibly you thought they asked you, what color of shirt am I wearing? And then you say something different. They'll just look at you and say, there's something wrong with this guy. Obviously, is somewhere either in cuckoo land or something is wrong upstairs. But some questions typically happen during interviews. For example, you're going to hear your interviewer say, tell me a bit about yourself. But remember, the tip I gave you in the penultimate session, in answering every question and any question, you must remember the 20 second to the two-minute rule. Do not spend less than 20 seconds, except it is a closed question. That is, it's a yes or no answer type of question. But 20 seconds is a minimum. Two minutes is the maximum. Tell me about yourself. This is so easy. Why can't a lot of you sit down now and put a frame of sentences that you can speak easily within two minutes. You're going for an interview for crying out loud. You should be prepared. If you are not prepared, you'll be toast. It's a very common question. Tell me about yourself. Another common question is, what do you know about this company? Another very common question is, why are you applying for this job? What is the motivation? Another common question is, how would you describe yourself? I've seen people describe themselves in very crazy manner. But, you know, it brings some verve to it. Typically, when people ask me, how would you describe myself? That is me. How would I describe myself? What I say to people, for example, is, in terms of my public life, I'm a black hawk. And they say, what is a black hawk? Also, it's a military helicopter that can fly under the radar on a very high altitude. The Black Hawk. The U.S. Army uses the Black Hawk. When they took out Osama bin Laden, it was a Black Hawk. And what it means is that I can relate 
at 30,000 feet and I can relate with you at less than 1,000 feet. I can come that low and I can go that high. So in my work life or public life, I'm a black hole. In my private life, I'm a submarine. That's what I say to people. And they look at me and they wonder. I said, yes, I'm a submarine, even at interview stages. And they wonder, okay, what submarine in one sense? I said, do you ever see the entire frame of the submarine? At best, what you get is that little antenna or the mound that comes out of the water. You never know how big a submarine is until you get into the ship. I said, that's exactly why I keep myself under the radar. Whenever I had to move jobs or change jobs, I never used to blast myself in the media. I was not one that will go about publicizing. I've changed jobs. Do you know I'm now the commercial director of Cadbury? Even when I joined Cadbury and they wanted to put me up there, out there, I pleaded with my friend Kufre Kanem. Then I said, Kufre, not more than two articles in the media. And that was it. So not many people even knew that I'd left Coca-Cola for Cadbury. And when I left Cadbury for Samsung, not many people even knew because I told Samsung I didn't want it public. Not because I was hiding everything, but just because I'm a submarine. That's who I am. And you wonder why a submarine in that context. Many people will always look at a submarine and underestimate it from a distance. But when you get inside, you'll say, wow, this is a big ship. Friends, the reason I describe myself as a submarine, it's only when you get closer that you will know that this man, by the grace of God, is a man of stature. And that's exactly how I describe myself. So you must be prepared to describe yourself. The other question that people will ask you, what are your major strengths? Many of you just go talking. Or you go cool and the gang, let's go dancing. la la la. You just start singing like a canary when the question is very specific. Sometimes they also ask, what is your greatest weakness? Listen, the question is, what is your greatest weakness? Not what is or what are your weaknesses. Because you don't pay attention, you start reeling out many weaknesses. But they asked you, what is your greatest weakness? One. And you must have reeled out three or four. And the interviewer says, surely this guy must have crammed this or he's not a good listener. You give out a lot of cheap marks that you should have just put in your saddle. And sometimes they can ask you the question around your interests outside of work. Some of us, especially the born-again Christians, tongue-talking, spirit-chasing, and all manner, the only thing we talk about doing, the only interest outside of work is I go to church. I go for service. And so you don't have a life outside of church. You must have a life, friends. Oh, you know, not, that's demonic then you don't need that job. And you just wonder why the main characters that made, that revolutionized Israel, whether it's King David, whether it's Daniel in Babylon, all the other characters, these guys, like Joseph, they had to step into the marketplace to do some great wonders. They were not sitting at home or they were not going to the temple every day. Something had to happen. And so when you're asked questions, the demand answers, and they need to be specific. One typical question you can have is, why did you leave your last job? 
Some people are never prepared for that question, but they believe in their heads that they are. They ask you, why did you leave your last job? You say, um, because uh, I was being harassed by my boss. Um, I didn't like the environment. I was not well paid. And so that kind of question is a trick question because it's setting you up for many other questions which you may not have prepared for. So it is always better for you to answer that question in a form and in a rhetoric. If you answer it in a rhetorical manner, then it gives you an opportunity to slam it and the person will not necessarily want to answer, but they'll move to the next question. But there's one question that is always very direct, especially if you lost your job. I say, sir, why were you fired? Imagine someone looking at you straight in the eyes and saying to you, why were you fired? That is if you were. But I believe if you were fired, you tell them why you were fired. But some of us, you know what we try to do? We try to hide behind one finger. It's called the finger of justification. Oh, I was not fired. I was just asked to resign. Story. The guys have done their check. They've seen that maybe you tried, you were caught in the middle of some deal, or you were found to be very unproductive, or you probably were going after your master's um, daughter, or, you know, those things can look very unserious, but it's true. You go and chase your guy's uh, daughter, and your guy finds out he'll fire you that same day, especially if you're working for a one man business. Even if you're working for a multinational, better watch it and make sure that you're not going after the boss's flagship. You'll be in trouble. The trouble may not come today, but the trouble is waiting for you ahead. These things happen. Don't worry. Like I said to you, I'm going to start a new series next month. It's going to be one great series, courtesy of Corporate Shepherds. It's called The Launch and Learn with IDNN. And very soon, my colleagues will begin to share on Instagram and LinkedIn how you want to be a part of it. The seats are going to be very closed. It's going to be closed. But coming in to be part of the closed group or closed user group, you'll have to do some things. And these are the things I'm going to expand on for those that really have challenges who are pain points in their career. You are my target. You are the ones I'm looking for. You are my audience. But it's not going to cost you a free token. No, it's not free. You're going to pay for it because nothing comes free. You'll pay for your lunch, and then you'll pay for the service. That's what life is about. Otherwise, you will not value it. And so, friends, there is so much going out and going on now within corporate, within public sphere, within the worker sphere, that many of us are making errors day by day. Let's try to correct some of these errors. If you are interested in career development, I ask you sincerely to make sure that you are a part of what we want to do. Either you follow Corporate Shepherds on, on LinkedIn or follow me on Instagram and all the platforms where you find me, Facebook, because it's going to be advertised across board. Launch and Learn with IDNANG is real. It's going to be about talking about real issues and pain points that are impacting you in your career. I'm sure down the road, one of the topics I'm going to bring to life is managing office politics. And it's not just going to be sitting there. We're going to be in the practical mode. 
I feel like that because of the pressure that I've gotten. I've had question upon question upon questions. A lot of my mentees, everyone is circulating around the issues about how they will survive in the workplace. So we've been talking about interviewing here, friends, but it all adds up now. This is one question that comes up all the time. Trust me, it's one of my favorites. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Very many people have no clue. They don't even think about it. And so you stay in that seat and you stutter. By the time you stutter, they just look at you and say, this guy was not stammering before. How come he's suddenly stammering? It means you don't have a peep into the future. You appear as you go. And so the follow-up question can be, so what exactly are your goals in life? And then um, if you are the materialistic type or the money type, you say, well, um, I'd love to build a house. I'd like to have my own company in 10 years. I'd like to be my own boss in five years. Share arrogance. Yes, you can call it ambition. Yes, but there are better ways to put that speak across. Everybody has a goal in life. But when you make yours only materialistic and driven by money, then something is obviously driving you. Your motivation is very clear. But then, another pain point sometimes that I see a lot of people flung is when you ask them, how much did you make at your last job? Many people don't even know how much they earned. You'll be shocked. What they tell you is, um, in, my, in my last job, I was being paid two naira. I was being paid four naira. But in the real sense, probably they were paid one naira, 50 kobo. And then you wonder, how come you don't really know how much you were making at your last job? It's because you never took it seriously. You never thought that, you know, this can happen. But my dear friends, according to Richard Bowles, he did a fantastic job when he wrote the 40th anniversary edition from where a lot of this is coming through, and I'm giving him the credit. He talked about five basic questions that you need to pay attention to outside of the ones that I've shared with you that have come as a combo from experience and also the things that I've put together over time. What Charles says is, I beg your pardon, what Richard Ball says is that the people who have the power to hire you need to know the answers to these five, which they may ask directly or try to find out in an oblique way. Number one, this is, when you meet the person that has the power to hire you, this is the kind of question they will ask. There are five of them. Not like the other ones that I gave to you that were typical mundane questions for interviews. Remember, we're still on tip number two. And that is about questions. So in this setting, when you are with the main kahuna, the real boss, the boss of all bosses, the kinds of questions they will ask you will center around this five. Number one, why are you here? What it means is, why are you knocking on my door rather than someone else's door? More or less, you know, maybe the chief operating officer or the CEO or the chairman say, hey, young man, why are you here? That question again can throw you out of the door. These are the kind of questions I'll deal with when we have lunch and learn. Number two, he can ask you, young man, what can you do for us? Or young lady, what can you do for us? This means, listen, young man or young lady, if I were to hire you, would you be part of the problems I already have? 
or would you be a part of the solution to those problems? That's what is going on in his head. What are your skills and how much do you know about the subject or the field that we are in? Those are the questions that are going through his head when you find the boss himself say, what can you do for us? Friends, this is about where I can go on the first half. As you know, it's a game of two halves. I'll be back on the second half to continue with the other three questions. And of course, time permitting, I'll take one or two other tips for us to walk through this. For now, let's pay some bills. Don't go away. Just stay on. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. And if you're just joining us, I bid you welcome to Navigate with ID. It's been a very great time. And um, what I've been doing is just sharing practical tips, especially to friends and good listeners of mine who are in that transition mode, changing jobs, careers, or even job hunting. And one place they must pass through, one tunnel they must pass through, is a tunnel of interviewing. And so I've been reading out some tips, friends. And today I've had two tips, practically sitting on the second one, which is the big one. But the first tip I had at the beginning was do not badmouth your previous employer during the interview, even if they were terrible bosses. You don't understand that it's a fraternity. The second tip was about questions that your employer would ask you as a way of helping them figure out whether or not they want to hire you. And I gave this whole plethora of questions. For example, tell me about yourself. Why did you leave your last job? What are your interests outside of work? Where do you see yourself five years from now? Et cetera, et cetera. But the one that really, you know, came into the sphere of concern was when I had to pick um, from the questions put together by Richard Balls in his book, his 40th anniversary, which of course forms a part of the base of most of what I'm sharing. And when he said some profound things, and those profound things had to do with five basic questions. Before we took on the break, I had shared two but I'll just rehash for the benefit of those who are just joining. And for those of you who are listening, who just need that recap. The people who have the power to hire you need to know the answers to this five. That is, whenever you are confronted with a CEO, a chairman, the guy that calls the shot, the kind of questions you'll ask are five basic questions. They are, number one, they are as follows. Number one, young man, young woman, or, my friend, why are you here? That question can throw you out. What it means in their head is, why are you knocking on my door rather than someone else's door? Why are you here? Imagine walking into someone's office and it makes you so comfortable. And next thing he says, hey, why are you here? I once had someone ask me that question. I got into his office and he said, yes, how can I help you? Why are you here? I said, I should be asking you. You asked me to come here. Your guys asked me to come here. And he looked at me and said, wow, you must be a strong dude. I said, no, I'm just answering. And the guy looked at me and said, you are something else. What's that your name again? I said, my name is ID. And he looked at me and said, I like, I like, I like your drill. But don't try it if you are not at the senior level. 
I was at a senior level, guys. I had nothing to lose. So a CEO can't intimidate me from day one, walking into his office and telling me, why are you here? He would have said that to me as a management trainee, and I'll say, oh, sorry, sir. I was told, and then you start stammering. No, it's just testing the waters to know how confident are you. So don't flunk it. Number two, these big boys and big kahunas can just sit back and say, my friend, what can you do for us? What it means in their minds is, if I were to hire you, will you be part of the problem I already have already in the company? Because CEOs and COOs have problems. Every day they are tackling problems. So he wants to know, or would you be a part of the solution to the problems? He wants to understand in his head, what are your skills and how much do you know about the subject or field that they are in, about their business? So when you hear a CEO or a chairman, the top guy and the top gun ask you, what can you do for us? This is where you should come in through the door. Come in with positive signs that will make him or her confident. That interview can last five minutes. You could also go as much as one hour on plan. The third question you can have from the big boss himself is, my friend, what kind of person are you? So very arrogant bosses or chiefs can be very, very tempting and they can be very daring. They say, hey, sit down there, my friend. So what kind of person are you, Seth? And you're wondering, this was meant to be an interview and this is the chief. This is the owner of the company. This is the, the grand caddy himself. But all he's doing is just checking you for fit, motivational fit. That is his own way. And he's saying in his head, do you have the kind of personality that makes it easy for people to work with you? And do you share the values that we have in this company of ours? That is what he's checking for. So he's not just harassing you for the sake that he wants to harass you, but he's actually checking. Because when they come back and they want to debrief, he's going to look at the last two or three people that they sent to him and say, yeah, the first guy that came looked very much like a lamb, but I like the lion in the second guy. I like that guy. I like that guy. That's the kind of guy I want. The third guy, no, no, no. That one is just, forget it. Just give him, just give him his transfer money and let him go. That's not the kind of guy I want around here. The guy is looking for fit. And so they come across as very rude, brash, but no. Each of those guys that you find sitting on that high seat, they're as gentle as lambs. But they just want to show you the face of the lion. Some of them sometimes can show you the face of the owl or the eagle. But I tell you, behind that hard face is that soft lamb. And all he just wants to do is to check whether you are a wolf that has come as a hireling to come and tear his company down. And he wants to check you before you come in. The fourth basic question that you need to pay attention to when you are going to see the big boys, the ultimate decision makers, what distinguishes you from 19 or 900 other people who are applying for this job? Hi, have you ever been told that question or asked? What really distinguishes you from the odd number of people who are applying for this job? What he means and what is in his head is, do you have better work habits than the others? Do you show up earlier, stay later? Would you work more thoroughly? Would you work faster? Are you mature? Do you maintain great standards? Are you a man or woman with great 
moral fiber, ethical fiber? Would you go the extra mile? So he's looking for those tips and anchors. But if you go there and you forget yourself and get carried away and start speaking technical grammar, the man will just look at you and say, ah, this guy is a nerd. I don't need, I don't need a nerd around me. I beg when I go come out and he'll just ring his bell and say, well, thank you very much, Mr. ID. Uh, it was nice meeting you. Your interview could end in two minutes. And it could go on for 60 minutes. Some other person will go in there and the rest of you will be waiting because somebody has been able to catch his fancy. Think about Queen Esther and how she was able to catch the king's attention with a fragrance. Special fragrance. What is the fragrance that you have that makes you stand out from the crowd? That question is about fragrance. What distinguishes you from others who are applying for this job? What you need to bring to the table is your fragrance. What makes you tick? And when you go for it, go for the juggler. And remember the 22nd rule and the maximum two-minute rule. Deliver your points, make it succinct, but work on the thread called ethics. And moral stand. When I mean a moral stand, I'm saying given value, value, value. No employer would leave a man or woman who has a great sense of value and understands a measure of value. The fifth question that these guys can ask you sounds very basic, but very tough. When you go meet people that... Uh, who have the power to hire you. You know, apart from asking you all the other ones I talked about, the one question they can say, can I afford you as a joke? And then you're going to look at them and say, hey, how can this man say, can I, can I afford you? Meanwhile, when you look around his office, you see sheer opulence. You look at the company, the man talking to you, probably driving a Lamborghini, probably driving a Range Rover as his official car. Maybe he has one or two Lamborghinis there and he's asking you, can I afford you? Such an oxymoron. But what he's saying and he's thinking is this. If we decide we want you here, how much will it take to get you and are we willing and able to pay that amount governed as we are by our budget? and by our inability to pay you as much as a person who would be next above you on our organizational chart. What the guy is doing, he has seen that you are a solid character and he's already looked at you vis-a-vis -vis your boss and said, Kai, this guy, this guy is going to earn in no time, this kind of guy to attract him is going to earn more than his boss. And so he's asking you very sincerely, can I afford you? And what you need to do is know how to answer. Once upon a time, I had that dilemma. It wasn't my dilemma. It was a dilemma. It was a bank. I won't call the name of the bank. They wanted to hire me. And I met the chief operating officer. I met the CEO. And I also met the chairman. Those were the three big kahunas that I met. Guess what? I got to the point where the question was, can we afford you ID? And I said, why not? And when they looked at me and said, honestly, what do you think 
you know, we need to do to get you over. And I gave them the figures. And the guy said, wow. He said, that is higher than most of our EDs. And I said, that's not my problem. I wasn't here to compete with your EDs. You're calling me and speaking to me because you want me to work for you and do some jobs. So, and I said, the reason is because the CBN, you know, we can't make you an ED because we need the regulation, the five-year regulation, blah, blah, blah. CD. We were talking about all of that, CBN stuff, regulation about uh, making someone a non-banker, an ED level. And so they offered me, gave me a different title, but that title that I was offered was a very good title, by the way. But I was going to earn more than the EDs, some of the EDs in the bank. So I then turned around and I said, you know, when you want to catch big fish, you don't go there with mosquito nets. It's either you're ready with a net or you don't carry, you go with a trawler. I said, right now, you guys have come for a big fish and we're ready. You need to use a trawler. The second time I, I had to use those words was when I was hired by Samsung. Because they have a way of teasing at the top. Can I afford you? Can we afford you? For me, I always go for the juggler. I said, of course, you can. That's why you're talking to me. There was a particular company. I would not call any of the names of the company. Forget it. But I'm just giving you a live example. These are the kinds of stuff I'm going to be talking to you about when we start Lunch and Learn. I'm starting my Lunch and Learn in August. So if you're listening to me right now, very soon it's going to hit. And I'm not going out there. I'm not, I'm not looking. Um, this, is, this is just one way I want to be able to give back and help you. Very many of you are lost. You're lost because of some of the things that you're doing that are impeding your career. So Lunch and Learn is going to be a practical way for me to sit around the table with 10 maximum. I don't want more than 10 people sitting around the table and we want to talk about practical issues. But you need to go through the maze. The maze is that you're going to have to send me some things that I require for me to be able to pick who would come. Yes, you will pay for the lunch. Yes, it's not going to be free, but we'll have a nice spot where we'll all sit down. We'll have a great time talking about these practical issues because it's about corporate shepherding. This company that is running this program is corporate shepherds. And truly, shepherding is the way we go. And I have the privilege of being the under-shepherd, the one who wants to just share with you and make you better than I have been. And so please don't take it for granted. When I share some of these examples on air, I'm not sharing them because of ego. God forbid. I'm letting you understand that you must be strong. You must be clear. You must be focused. Listen, one of the things I say to people, I say I'm a Calabar boy. Do you know what it takes for a Calabar boy to come and work in this part of the country and become a managing director? You don't understand. Because everybody would tell you, no, you are from minority of the minority of the minorities. Who said so? You belittle yourself. Someone says to you, can I afford you? That is his problem, not yours. So tell him, you have to break the bank, break the bank. But I want to be paid. And one thing I do say to people is, listen, pay me. I do not go around stealing what is mine. That's why, by the grace of God, not one employer of mine ever said that I did anything that had to be contrary or unethical because I live within the ambits of what I'm paid. Very many of you, 
when they ask you, can I afford you? You say, well, anything you give me, sir. You go in there and you start stealing. When you knew very well the, what they were offering you was not proper. Yeah. When you meet the CEO or the chairman or the who, who is who in the company, and the person is just asking a simple question, can I afford you? You say, oh, well, sir, anything you give me, sir. And the man says, okay, anything you give me, he gives you something that will not even take you home. Then when you get into the job, you start stealing. And when you steal, you get caught, you get fired. And that puts you on a blacklist. And a vicious cycle begins. Then you start running around like a headless chicken. Why do you have to get yourself into that? Well, this is what I'm going to tell you, friends. I've laid out these five basic questions that you need to pay attention to. Whenever we start Lunch and Learn, I'm going to come back to them. If most of those, the attendees, are actually in the career switching or job switching mode. The five principal questions that I've shared with you are key. One thing you must understand is that these questions, they float beneath the surface of the conversation. During the interview with the big boss, you must have a very clear understanding of what you want out of that company. Because that's your chance and your own metal to make it happen. But I want to come to this phase where you must understand that it's not only the employer who has questions. You must have some questions too. And whether you like it or not, they are the same questions that they asked you. You must have them. And I'm going to give you some questions that you ask your would-be employer. Number one, what does this job involve? Don't be afraid to ask. You want to understand exactly what tasks will be asked of you so that you can determine if these are the kinds of tasks you really want to do and can do or won't do. But don't shy away from it. Can I be honest with you? There is another type of question I always ask. What is my next job? What is the next job after this role? And people always look at me at the interview table and say, you've not even started this one. You're already asking us what next. I said, if I was not good enough, you won't be interviewing me for this one. The fact that you are calling me to get to this stage, I'm at the finals here, talking to you as the head of the company, means one thing, that I'm already qualified for this job. If not, they would have weeded me a long time ago. So what next? If I do this job well, what's the next job? What's in line? I start thinking about succession management and not succession planning, which is what is in their head. So, my friends, you must understand that your questions must be apt. The second question you can ask, what are the skills a top employee in this job would have to have? What you want to find out is if your skills match those that the employer thinks a top employee in this job has to have in order to do the job well, not just an average employee. And sometimes it's also good that you know what's in the head of your man that is hiring you. What does he expect? Another question that you can ask is this. Can I persuade them to hire me at the salary I need or want? That question has to come through. Can you be persuaded to hire me at the salary I need or want? Now, but it requires you to have some knowledge on your part of how to conduct salary negotiation. If you don't know, don't ask. You also want to know about relationship. In your head, you're asking yourself that question. 
are these the kinds of people I would like to work with or not? Never ignore your intuition. If it tells you that you would not be comfortable working with these people, like I was saying, Pigeon, if your body phone you, make you know, say, now God, they speak to you. Body, the phone person for interview. You will know when you get into a company and organization and your spirit is not there, you will feel it. You will know that there's something in the air that you don't like. So you must be asking yourself that question. Are these the kinds of people I would like to work with or not? Because it's your intuition. Don't ignore it. If it tells you that you would not be comfortable working with these people, you want to know if they have the kind of personalities that would enable you accomplish your best work or they will throw you out of the window. If these people are not it, keep looking. You don't want to be miserable at work. Trust me, friends, it pays to be very picky at this point. Be picky. And like I said, you must ask yourself, can I persuade them to hire me at the salary I need or want? If you do not have good skills about salary negotiation, practice before then. Have a trusted mentor coach that can put you through it. I talked about that in the previous episode. There are some things you need to know. It should always take place at the end of the interviews. But sometimes, some people can start at the beginning. And whoever mentions a salary figure first generally loses in the negotiation. But I'll cover that someday. Maybe in the course of this. But let me tell you something. Do you know if you are being headhunted, the headhunter will always ask you for your salary or tell you what is your salary? Seka what? And you say Seka one million a year. So the headhunter will profile you, send it to the client and say, this man is currently earning one million. What is your current role, position or salary for this role? And maybe the figure they have is 750. They'll say it's too expensive. The headhunter will come back and tell you, well, our client feels that you're probably over budget and um, they may not be able to feel. Don't start telling them, well, what would they offer? Drop the job. Drop it like a pack of potatoes. It's not yours. Stop devaluing yourself. A lot of you devalue yourself the same way IMF is dealing with us with the Naira. Don't be too desperate. If they come to you and tell you, oh, ha, Guy, your salary is more than what we have for that job. Tell them thank you very much and dust your palm and walk away. Don't be desperate. If you're good, you're good. If you're good, don't let another man make it look bad. And then you devalue your currency and your person. By the time you come to upstage again, it might be too late. But you know, one of the things I want you to understand is that when you get into these questions that you've asked in your head and ask yourself, it helps you approach every interview with confidence. It helps you sit in the space where what is the worst that can happen? Listen, friends, each time I had to go through any interview, what I always said to myself are two things. What is the best that can come out of this interview? And what is the worst? The worst case scenario, you don't hire me. Okay? The best case, you hire me. 
which one do I prefer? Worst case or best case? I always go for the best case. And so the best case comes with positivity. It comes with focus. It comes with a clear sense of what I will take and what I will not take. And it comes with a sense of doing. And so in doing that, there are things that you must have at the back of your mind. I want you to understand that whenever you have questions popping in your head and they are not clear and you go in for an interview, your chances of messing up are very high. But if in going in for an interview, you are as clear as crystal that you've covered all the grounds in terms of questions and you're comfortable in your skin, then there are certain things you begin that will show as pointers. I call them indicators. Some of those indicators will be when you step into the hallway or the reception, you step in with a smile. That tells you what you like about the organization. It comes in. It just feels on you like a garment. And at the end of the day, you understand that this is not an intriguing place. It's a place that can be called home. Dear friends, as always, time isn't our friend. But I hope you've enjoyed this whole series in two weeks where we talked about tips, interview tips, very practical interview tips. I look forward to the days ahead when we'll look at other aspects in career. But for now, if you do have any questions, friends, do me the honors by simply sending a note to contact at navigatewithid.com. I'll be more than happy to share with you and also to answer your questions. And if you feel very strongly that you need to reach me, just go to the website and send in a contact and yours truly will be available by the grace of God. Thank you for listening. Can't stop loving you guys out there. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.